So Ryan Tov, we continue with our 13th class on the Haggadah with the commentary, the Masa Nisim of Rav Yaakov Milisa. We are now going to focus exclusively on the Hallel today and most likely going into tomorrow. And this, this in the Haggadah, right after we finished nearly the entire Magid, and all that's really left is to make the Bracha on the second cup of wine. So we insert the first two paragraphs of the Hallel, um, and then we continue with the rest after the benching. And the obvious question is, why do we do that? Why, why are we breaking it up? So the author brings us an explanation which is primarily based on the Alshech commentary from Rav Moshe Alshech and a little bit from a Sefer Binola Eitim from Rabbi Azaria Figo. And he explains this, and it really is a very good overview for the entire Hallel, whenever you say Hallel, all year long. Now, if you have an art scroll sitter and you're looking at page 632 or anywhere you can find it, you will notice that the halal consists of first the bracha, which we don't say the bracha right now. We're not going to say it. And as a matter of fact, if, if memory serves me correctly, we don't ever say this bracha. <laughs> we don't say it tonight. Why we don't, that's an interesting question to pursue. But it consists of Psalms 113, 114, 115, 116, 117, and 118, which would seem to be six Psalms. As we will discuss, it might be five Psalms. We'll explain that in a moment. So the first two Psalms, we have to realize they parallel the Egyptian exile, and the Geula, and the redemption that happened. Therefore, it makes sense to say the first two paragraphs at the end of the Magid, because that's before we eat, because that relates to us totally. And as we will go through later inside, but it's very clear, we start saying, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Avdeh Hashem, we praise that we're servants of Hashem, and it means, and we're not servants of Paro. And in the second paragraph, it clearly says, but when the Jewish people left Egypt. So those two paragraphs specifically relates to the Golis in Mitzrayim and the Exodus. So that's why we're going to mention it before the meal, because that really is a good way of concluding the Magid. After going through um, the intellectual pursuit, so to speak, and really understanding the entire story, uh, but we really haven't sung praise. So now we sing praise on this aspect of the Haggadah, if we have now finished the mitzvah, so to speak. But we know there were four other exiles, and even though there were four other exiles, such as the Babylonian exile, the Persian and Medes was the second, the Greek was the third, and Edom uh, is the fourth, Rome. Uh, many of the commentaries suggest it really is three exiles, 
because the one from Persia and Madai really was very close to that of Greece. And since Greece's was much greater, so it's kind of, it, it uh, piggybacks on that. And many, and Rashi, for example, in one place says it's really three exiles, Bavel, Yavon, and Edom. While others suggest that really the Gullus of, um, of Persia was not really a Gullus, which means Nebuchadnezzar, he destroyed the base of English. Edom destroyed the base of English. The Greece chased the Jews out of the base of English. So that was the three worst things. While the story with Parsa Madai, we were already in exile, so they didn't exile us per se. So there's a little discussion about this. It's, it's a technical point. And there's a lot of ways we can work around this. But once we finish the first two chapters that deal with Egypt, which is chapter 113 and 114, we now have four more chapters, 115, 116, 117, 118. Now, the commentaries tell us that those four chapters, they suggest there are only three chapters. Because if you look carefully, chapter 117 is only two verses. And many people say it's really connected to 116. So therefore, it only becomes three chapters. Okay, or we don't have to say that. We can really say if you want Kufiud Zion to stand alone, so that could now fit into the fact that we have four uh, exiles. Either way, the main point is that the first two paragraphs specifically are dealing with the Egyptian exile and the redemption. And the last three or four chapters, they deal with the Few, the, the exiles that happen afterwards and the redemptions that have happened and will still happen. So therefore, the entire halal speaks to this. That's point number one. So the halal is singing praises about all this. I'll have to see the nature of the praise. And therefore, when do we say halal? Well, we say halal by the three holidays, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. We say Hallel on Hanukkah, and we say Hallel on Rosh Chodesh. It's also interesting to know that most of the time we say a whole Hallel, but sometimes we don't say the whole Hallel, which is after the first one or two days of Pesach, depending where you live, the rest of Pesach is not the whole Hallel, and Rosh Chodesh is not the whole Hallel. There's an interesting mnemonic device to help us remember that for those in the Gullus, is the word is bibetach, beis, beis, tesches, with faith. Beis is two, it's for the two days of Pesach. Beis, another two, is for the two days of Shavuos. Tes is, so to speak, the nine days of Sukkot, Simchos, Torah, for those in the exile. And Ches are the eight days of Hanukkah. We do not say the full Hallel on the balance of Pesach. We don't say it on Rosh Chodesh. And a reason for that would be nice to know, which we'll get to shortly. So primarily, certainly during the biblical times, before we had Hanukkah, it was really three times, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Why? So we do this 
because of great things we merited for the goodness that happened to us because of the Golos and the future redemption. If you recall, we mentioned already in this series one of the reasons for the Golos. It says, Gimel Matanos Talvos Nasan HaKadosh Baruch Hashem has given us three wonderful gifts. V'chulon al Yedei Yisurim. They all come through suffering. Eretz Yisrael, Torah, and Olam Haba. And therefore we discussed why for us to be able to deserve this, there has to be a certain degree of suffering, which we discussed earlier why. And therefore, let's take a look at what happened. So therefore, on Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, we want to praise Hashem for this aspect. Pesach obviously reminds us of the exodus from Egypt. And what happened because of that Golos in Egypt? We merited to enter and acquire Eretz Yisrael. As it says, in the very beginning of Sefer Shmos, when Hashem speaks to Moshe at the burning bush, He says, and I will take you out of the land of Egypt to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey. So therefore, the suffering that happened in Egypt was a necessary benefit for us that we now will be able to acquire Eretz Yisrael that comes with suffering. Shvuos, we also merited Torah. And that was reminding us of Kabbalah's HaTorah. And Torah is also something that is acquired with suffering. So that suffering is certainly, again, it's tied to Pesach, but Shvuos is the bookend of this seven weeks. And there was a lot of suffering for seven weeks after we left Egypt. All kinds of things. You know, we didn't have water for a little while. We didn't have food for a little while. All the suffering that caused us to believe in Hashem. And then we're worthy to receive the Torah. So we talk about the exile and redemption over that. And finally, Sukkot is to remember the clouds of glory. And what is the clouds of glory? The clouds of glory is meaning we're very intimately connected with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And really, if you think about it, Olam Haba is that reality of being intimately connected with Hashem. And that takes suffering. And to a certain extent, the Jews who were in the desert were living in Olam Haba during those 40 years after they received the Torah. Because what is Olam Haba if not just living with Hashem and nothing else? There's only Hashem. So we have to look at the Jews in the desert after they received the Torah and built the Mishkan now have Olam Haba in their lives. Now, so this is the three holidays remind us of the three wonderful gifts that Hashem gave us, but they only come through suffering. And all the simchas, all the joy we have for all the holidays are not merely for past events because what does it help to celebrate past events uh, unless you're sure that they will remain forever and they're not here today, gone tomorrow. And therefore, we understand that maybe not not all of us have, you know, there's a time we didn't have Eretz Yisrael. There's a time we don't have Eilam There's a time where Torah is very hard. But we know it's always going to come back. And therefore, um, when we received the Torah, 
in all aspects, we are sure with Maisa of a similar bonim that what happens to the uh, patriarchs will happen to us. So because of the redemption from Egypt, we're sure there'll be a future ultimate redemption much greater than that which came out of Egypt the first time. That's one. The giving of the Torah, we are told when the future redemption happens, the prophet Jeremiah says, Hashem says, I'll cut a new covenant with you. So to speak, I'll give you a new Torah. Doesn't mean that this Torah changes, but in a new reality of existence of Mashiach and Elam Haba, the will of Hashem will give us a deeper relationship of Torah. And certainly the clouds of glory that separate us once, we know when the world history takes us to Olam Haba, we will be involved within Hashem as the prophet uses the allegory of being in a sukkah. So therefore on Pesach we have the simcha, not of what happened only in the past, but for the future redemption. What's going to show us is not only that we got the Torah, but we will get a new Torah again. And sukkah is going to be this idea of not just in the past the sukkahs, but there'll be Olam Haba for us. And since these three things only come with suffering, therefore we're going to mention it. And now, so therefore these three things, and we'll explain as we go into the first um, psalm, we're going to show you how the suffering, we have to thank Hashem, not just for the redemption, but for the suffering that makes us virtuous to receive this. And there were these three things that come with suffering, which is Eretz Yisrael, Torah, and Olam Haba. Therefore, we sing in praises at these three times of the year that remind us of this. And Hanukkah, which was done after the redemption from Greece, that happened with the Hanukkah Hamizbeach, where we rededicated the Mizbeach and got back into the base Hamidosh. So that's another aspect of what we uh, thanking Hashem for giving us this. And there, all these things came from the Golas. So we mentioned in the Hallel also the praise for the Golas. The Golas is what brought these to us. And that's why we say a whole Hallel, everything on these days, which is not the case with the last six or seven days, six or five or six days of Pesach. What are the last six days? What are we celebrating the last six days? We already celebrated on the first or second day of Pesach that we got out of Egypt, and from that everything else happened. So what is the great simcha of the last six days? We're out of Egypt, now we're going around in the desert. It climaxed with the splitting of the seed. And at that point, God did this to us as a pure kindness. This did not have anything to do with the overall idea of giving us things that come with Yesurim, Eretz Yisrael, Torah, and Olam uh, Haba. Remember, the Jews said when they were at the Sea of Reeds, we'd rather go back to Egypt. And Hashem, had He not taken us out in the way He did miraculously and had a vested interest in us, should have just let us go back. So what happened? Well, that was uh, so we didn't merit anything from that. Because of the Gullus. And because we didn't merit anything in the Gullus. So therefore, the two paragraphs, the two parts, as we will see in Psalm 116. I'm sorry. Um, 
let's again look what we're skipping. If you recall, we say the entire 113, the entire 114. 115, we skip the first half, say the second half. In 116, we skip the first half, say the second half. Okay? And because those parts talk about the gullus. And since we got the splitting of scene not because of the gullus, it was just an entire kindness Hashem does, so we skip those two parts. Remember, the first two Psalms, 113 and 114, that's because of the exile and redemption of Egypt. That happened. That's amazing that we always say that. But from then on, we're talking about benefits of other gullios. And therefore, in 115 and 116, the first half of each one talks about the gullus aspect. But uh, for for the splitting of the sea, there was no gullus aspect that gave us something new. It was just a kindness of Hashem. And the same thing with Rosh Chodesh. There's no aspect of gullus. So this is a beautiful outline of the entire hollow. So every time we say hollow, the overall idea when we say the full hollow is to understand that for all the gifts that Hashem gives us, it's very difficult in the beginning, and at the end it comes out good, and our praises are for all of that. For all of that. And therefore we always praise Hashem for taking us out of Egypt. That's always on the on the list. And we have praises for everything that happened, you know, the other holidays that give this to us. But the last six days of Pesach, we didn't really get anything. There was a miracle. It was a nace. That's amazing. We thank Hashem. And we thank Hashem that he took us out of Egypt. But other aspects um, were not because we didn't benefit out of any gullus aspect of those six days. And similarly with Rosh Chodesh. Beautiful overview. So therefore, we're going to look now at the first two paragraphs, starting with Hallelujah. Hallelujah of Dei Hashem, uh, which is Psalm 113. And the author now assumes that we know a number of questions that the Al Shekhakarosh asked. And because we should know all those questions, he's going to start right from the answer. <laughs> well, the problem is most people are not aware of the Al Shekh's questions on this paragraph. So let's take a look at the paragraph for a moment and let's uh, ask the questions. I don't know if we'll finish this all today, but uh, we'll finish it tomorrow if not. So we start with the first post. Hallelujah, hallelujah, avdei Adonai, hallelujah, eshem Adonai. So what does hallelujah mean? Well, it means hallel ka, praise Hashem. But then again, it says, Hallelujah of De Hashem. Servants of Hashem, you praise. Hallelujah, you should praise Hashem Hashem, the name of Hashem. So the first question is, why are we repeating with the word Hallelujah and then Hallelujah? Just start. Hallelujah of De Hashem. Hallelujah, Hashem Hashem. Servants of Hashem should praise Hashem. And they should praise the name of Hashem. What do you need? The Hallelujah. Or we could have just said, Hallelujah of Dei Hashem. Okay? So you don't need all that repetition. That's the first question, he says. 
And more than that, what's the difference when we say hallelujah, which is thus the name of Hashem, yud Hey, and then we follow up with Hashem is the yud Hey vav Hey. That's a second question that we have to analyze. A third question is now let's go on to the next pasuk. Yehishem Hashem Evayroch, let the name of Hashem be blessed, from now and forever. Well, before we were praising Hashem, the first line said, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. So why don't we say Yehishem Hashem Mehulal should be praised? We're talking about praising. Why are we now switching to blessing Hashem? Who's talking about blessing Hashem? Right? It doesn't and, and, and it doesn't fit into what's said before, and it doesn't fit into what was afterwards also said. Because look at the next passage. From the rising of the sun until the setting, Hashem is praised. So again, we, the focus seems to always be on the praise. And in the middle, we insert this blessing Hashem. Why is that? We also say, from now, the Adolam, and forever. I don't understand. Shouldn't Hashem's name be pra- praised even before? <laughs> Hashem's always been around. Does he have to wait for now for us to praise Hashem? Then the next line says, Rum al kol goyim Hashem. Hashem is high above all the other nations. Al hashamayim kavodo. The uh, above the heavens is his glory. And then we go on to all kinds of other things. Who is like Hashem? Who, who lifts up those that are sitting and helps that are bad? What is that the connection that Hashem is so much higher than the non-Jews and he's higher than the heavens? What is that connection over there? And then if you notice, every time it says, it says, Hamagbihi Loshavas. Okay? So, and Hamashbili Liros. Okay? Where it seems, it says he raises those that are um, in the dust, from the trash heaps, he lifts the dust. So it keeps with the E ending. Really, the word should just be He lowers. He stands up. What's this E ending five times? And then, what's this Akeres Habayis? Where it says, Moshivi Akeres Habayis. He transforms the Akeres Habayis, the uh, anchor of the house, the main thing of the house. What is that supposed to mean? Okay, the rabbis say, Ikaro Shabayis, the main part of the bias. What is that supposed to mean? And why, of all the things that Hashem can do, we pick on two things. Which seem to be a kerasabai seems to be um first of all it says Mikimi Mirafar Dal, he picks up the poor. That's one example. And the other example, it says he he the says he has the people who can't have children have children. Why do we designate these two specific types of miracles from all the miracles that Hashem does? These are the eight questions. That the uh, Al Sheikh asks. And the uh, Mycenaeism, he explains the following. 
Let's start with the name of Hashem, Yud Hey. Yud Hey mystically represents Hashem's attribute of justice. Okay, that's what Yud Hey means, as opposed to Yud Hey Vav Hey. Yud Hey Vav Hey is the name of complete kindness, compassion, because the Vav Hey takes it down all the way down to this earth, into this planet, and we we sense all that Hashem gives us. The Yudhe is lacking that, so it seems to be judgment. Now, Hallel, what does Hallel really mean? If you're looking for an English word, you're going to be in lots of trouble finding it, even though the English says praise. But uh, from Tehillim, it it seems to be an idea of vaunting oneself. Now look up the word vaunting, and it means excessive praise. In other words, we are praising Hashem, as we'll see in a minute, in a way that we feel glorified. We are saying, you know, Hashem is so great, that makes me great. Not that we're boasting. So, well, let's put this It's a permissible boast. I'm boasting for Hashem, but since I'm his child, I'm his servant, so I should feel very proud. That's really what Hallel essentially is. There's a lot that we have to boast about, not from our own selves, but who our God is and that relationship we have with him and the, and the mission we have because of him. So that's what Hallel really is. It's a positive sense of self-esteem kind of boasting, not arrogant boasting. Very important concept to understand. And what do we have to boast about? We have to boast about even the suffering of the Golas and all that happened, as we've explained so many times, that through the suffering of the Golas, we are purified and then the redemption after such a gullus makes us acquired to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And we are totally connected to him. And that obligates him to take care of us all the time and never let any problem happen because we represent Hashem. That's one thing to boast about. Another thing to boast about that through us, we were the tool that God's greatness was Pop, uh, publicized in the world through, there were no Jews, there'd be no one to take out and all the miracles would have happened. And that's what Avram always wanted. Avram always wanted that God's name should be publicized around the world. There's lots of sources for this, but I'm not going to go into it now. And also, it was known, made known to power into the whole world. Now, finally, Paro said, I don't know who Hashem is. Who is this Hashem? And what do we say by all the uh, plagues and everything? It says at the end of the day, the Egyptians have to know that I'm Hashem. And that Hashem is the yud Hey vav Hey, As it says in the Parshish Bo, when Hashem says you should know to the patriarchs, I never revealed myself as yud Hey vav Hey into the world. But now we will merit to really see that God is the yud heh vav heh means Hashem is the source of everything. It means enod novato. It means there's nothing inherently evil in this world and whatever things you think is evil is just a method to bring out goodness and it's all good. And there's no greater praise that we can do 
because and to be able to say because even the patriarchs were not shown Hashem's yud hey vav hey. And now the whole might and power and hashkach of Hashem <coughs> is capable to understood. And this is really the main function of the hollow. The main function of the hollow is to say we are so proud. In a good way, we're the proud boys and girls. Because look what we, what God enabled us to do and to partner with God to create this reality. And that's what we're praising Hashem for. And what comes out of and all the goodness that comes out of this. So we start with hallelujah. We praise what? The ka, the yud even the attribute of justice that first comes. We praise that attribute of justice. Hallelujah. Even when things appear to be bad, we're proud to be the recipients of that bad. Because we know that Hashem is working through this to bring us the greatest things that can only happen once this first step, like the seed that this integrates, must happen for the tree to grow. And nobody complains about the disintegration of the seed. And therefore, now that we've seen the story, we understand there's plenty to praise Hashem when things are not going well. And let's see what happens. When that happens, what ultimately happens is it's hallelujah of day Hashem. Because once that happens and we get redeemed, then we can praise Hashem as servants of Hashem. And once we're a servant of Hashem, Hashem is locked into us forever because by making it so bad, he had to miraculously take us out in such a way that shows that he has a vested interest in us. So now look what we have. We're the only people on the planet that are Avde Hashem, hallelujah. That now we, as Avde Hashem, can praise Hashem. Do you realize how amazing this is? And also, another thing. Then we say, Yehi Shem Hashem Mevayrach. Let the name of Hashem be blessed. And we ask, what does that have to do with anything? We understand, whenever we make a bracha, until that time, there's no concept of a baruch atah, yud hey vav hey. But now that God did all that through the instrumentality of us, we're able now, as we're saying, is yihishem Hashem, let Hashem be mivorach. Human beings can bless Hashem with yud hey vav hey. And we're so privileged that we get to do that a hundred times a day. And therefore, and the third thing that we have is that it's, it's, it happens from now because before it was not blessing Hashem's name that way. It was forever. From the rising of the sun till the setting of the sun means Hashem's name is recognized throughout all the world. And that's so much we have to be thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why we're praising Hashem. And that doesn't make sense. At the end of the Haggadah, this is the kind of praise we have to hear. That now Hashem is, we are so vaunted because of this. So much good came. Every little part. There's not any one bad part of the story. It's all amazing. And we have to stop here. We will finish this uh, section. And hopefully we'll uh, do the second paragraph as well. That gives a good connection to this.
ending of the Haggadah. Okay, Shkoyach. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi.